Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Pope Francis is at it again. It's another day of the week that ends in Y. I don't know why I'm smiling. I'm not happy about it. But there is something risible about living through this time in the church. You just sort of laugh or you don't laugh, and I prefer to laugh. In any case, Pope Francis hopes that all traditionalists go to heaven. Well, he didn't say that, but he did say something that would imply that. In a recent interview with an Italian television show, Pope Francis said, and we'll show the clip in a minute, he said that he hopes that a heresy is true, namely the heresy of universalism. He said he hopes that nobody is in hell. And we're going to show that video in just a quick second, but I want to tell you about something I'm so excited about, a, a plan, a, a, a trip I've been working on for a while. I'm going to Italy. Vado in Italia. Al, al paese la mia mamma. I'm going to my mom's homeland. And I'm hoping to take a group of you. There's already been some signups for it, so make sure you get in there while you still got time. We're going to be visiting. Well, I'll just show you the video so you can actually see it for yourself. You can click the link in the description for more information on that trip, or you can go to kennedyhall.ca slash Italy. That's kennedyhall.ca slash Italy. It'll give you everything you need to know. I hope to see you there. Okay, so what did Pope Francis say? Well, let's pull up that clip. So here's Pope Francis, and I did make a little joke about it, um, because, well, as we'll see, but I said, Pope Francis hopes hell is empty, but where would all the trads go? So let's just see what he actually says, and I'll trans for you. So, you know, I'm not just being some mean trad. So we'll just pause that there. He says, what about the doctrine of hell? You know, a, a father who can, I hate the way they talk, these liberals, a father who condemns his children to hell. What do you say about that? He said it would be difficult to imagine it. He says, this is not a dogma of faith, this is what I'm saying, this is a personal opinion. Me, I like to, I like to think about an empty hell. It's a desire of mine, it's a wish of mine. I hope it will be true. It's one of my goals, one of my desires. And round of applause, of course, round of applause, because Pope Francis hopes hell is empty. And isn't that wonderful? Well, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, listen, okay, I get it. Hell's not a fun doctrine on the surface, um, but it's a doctrine of the church. It's a dogma, not just a doctrine of the church, it's Christ's own words. Let's just take a quick look at what Jesus Christ himself actually says about it. So here is the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll look at verses... Uh, 13 and 14, and this is in chapter 7, and he says, Enter ye in at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there are who go in thereat. Let's just pause there for a second. Many there are that go in thereat. This is Jesus Christ, 
Jesus Christ is the second person of the Holy Trinity, unless you're a heretic and don't believe that, which maybe you can like heresies if you're like Pope Francis. I just, I like this heresy. I, w I wish this heresy was true. Many there are that go in thereat, so many go to hell. Now, that doesn't mean the majority. That doesn't mean the vast majority. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, 50%, 40%, even if it's just 10%. Well, we're going to get to some statements from especially St. Augustine that cast doubt on this idea of that there will be many who are saved. Nonetheless, many there are that go in thereat. Now, you got to think of a little bit of grammar here. No, it doesn't say majority, but, you know, if, if you had a class of kids, 30 kids, I'm not talking about the kids going to hell, by the way. This is an example. If you had a class of kids and you asked, you know, how are your kids doing on the recent standardized tests? I don't know. And you said, many have failed the test. Well, I mean, the implication there, if you're a reasonable, sane person, not trying to explain away reality, is that many. So what is many out of 30? 15, 16, 17, 20, 25? We don't use the word many in the general sense to refer to a small amount of a larger amount. If you say to your parents, if, they, if your parents say to you, have you finished all your chores? And you say, I've finished many of them. Well, that means if they gave you seven or eight things to do, you did four, five, six, or six and a half. You don't say, I've finished many of my chores when they ask you to make your bed, walk the dog, brush your teeth, take out the garbage, finish your homework, fold the laundry, whatever, and you've simply just walk the dog and brush your teeth. That's not many. That's some of it. That's a few things. That's a couple things. It's not many. So the meaning is pretty clear there. Let's go back to what he says, though, talking about Jesus Christ. How narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leadeth to the life, to life, and few there are that find it. So he qualifies. Enter ye at the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there are who go in thereat, and then shot and chaser, how narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leadeth to life and few there are that find it. So clearly Christ is saying in regards to who does not go to heaven, it is many. In regards to those who do go to heaven, it is a few. These are descriptors. Again, you got 10 tasks. If you have done many of them, you've done seven of them. If you've not done a few of them, you haven't done three. This is how that works. So this is basic scripture. This is not to be contextualized away. This is simply the truth of the gospel. Now, call to mind what Pope Francis says. He says, not only does he hope that there's not that many in hell, it'd be one thing if Pope Francis were to say something like, you know, I'm sort of of a more optimistic sort when it comes to who is saved. And that's actually not, that's fine. I'm not saying that that's wrong. Um, we understand, and I did a three-hour podcast on no salvation outside the church. You should listen to that. And all I did was I went through this book right here, compiled by my friend James Hanish, former colleague of mine at the Fatima Center. It's not for publication. It's more of a study, like sort of a 150-page essay. And 75% of it are just citations. I shouldn't say just citations. Are, mere, are simply just citations from infallible councils, works, statements, proclamations, so forth, along with the supporting theology from the greatest doctor, saints, and whatever of the church, giving context to what those doctrines actually mean. 
And it is very clear there's no salvation outside the church. Nonetheless, one of the teachings of the church, and again, go listen to that podcast, three hours long. You can listen to it on iTunes and Spotify and stuff if you don't want to do a three-hour YouTube video. And also, it is audio only, so it's probably worth listening to it there. Unless you have YouTube Premium. I know some people have YouTube Premium. We actually have that, by the way. If you have kids and you like to watch the odd thing, we don't have a TV, but we do watch the odd little thing here and there. You know, put on an old show or movie or something that we think is appropriate. Um, and YouTube Premium is great because you can turn off autoplay and you can make sure that there's no ads. So it's just safe in that sense. In any event, you can also use your YouTube Premium as like a podcast app. You turn your phone, you close your phone, you put it in your pocket. It functions just like iTunes or whatever. The point being, though, in that podcast, it is very clear that I, sh I show very clearly that in this book, again, hundreds and hundreds of citations of infallible anathema type statements that all non-Catholics go to hell. That's what the church te teaches. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, hold on a sec. What about invincible ignorance? That's dealt with. No one's culpable for not knowing something. But not knowing something doesn't mean that you have the positive result of what would happen if you did know that thing. You know, it's not your fault if you drive off a bridge because you can't see because you're in a blizzard. But you don't not drive off the bridge just because you didn't know it was the end was there. Um, but also, it is a teaching of the church, infallibly so, that every single person alive receives the graces necessary for conversion. Every single person. So there are many miraculous stories that we know of, and we can, we can hope there are more. And I do hope there are more. I hope there are more and more and more and more uh, of people who, even before they were evangelized in places like, you know, the Western world, uh, you know, the New World, etc., there are stories that were laid down about bilocations of apostles and things like that, uh, angelic evangelization. So those who are saved in a sense that isn't visible to us, they're still Catholic. They're still Catholic. They're still in the church. So there's no salvation inside the church, but there are miracles. And it is a teaching of the church that God would give all of those who've ever lived the necessary graces for conversion to the one true faith in a very explicit way, even if it's invisible to us. But nonetheless, nonetheless, clearly, when you look at all the false religions in the world, Islam's got a couple billion people, 1.25 billion people or so are Catholic. There's about a billion Protestants, and including Eastern Orthodox, um, a bunch of Hindus and Buddhists and atheists and whatever. Everyone outside of that Catholic church, 1.2 billion, already is at a massive handicap. And the only way they can be saved is if they are not part of their sect, because somehow invisibly they've joined themselves in an explicit way with the desire for baptism and so on and so forth knowing what it is through private revelation, which does happen miraculously, although it's probably not very common. Nonetheless, that means out of the eight, seven, eight billion people alive on earth today, six and a half billion automatically are at a very negative position. That's just the math. And then out of those 1.25 billion Catholics, let's just call it 1.5 billion Catholics for easier math. I'm not a math major. My degree's in Spanish, French, and Italian didn't do a lot of math. In any case, um, you know, let's just take the statistics for the Western world because that's the one that most of my viewers are from. So let, I, by the Western world, I mean, you know, the former Commonwealth and sort of European places. Okay, fine. 80% of people don't go to mass, at least. In Europe, in some places, it's less. In Canada, it's like 15% of people do. So it's like 85 don't. Depends on what state you're in the United States. Latin America, it's more in some countries, less in others. Australia is pretty similar to America, whatever. Okay, 
So that's already done. I mean, not going to Mass intentionally is a mortal sin. You die that way, it's over. That's just what the Church teaches. There's no getting around it. Then you have to add to it the fact that those who do go to Mass, it's a huge percentage, estimates of 70%, 80%, 50%, whatever. Many, many, not few, many, to take uh, the words of Christ, many do not believe the dogmas of the Church. They live in states of mortal sin when it comes to contraception, remarriages, which aren't real marriages and so forth. Um... They don't believe in the real presence. And we cannot be saved if we reject any article of faith. It can't be. Um, now, one would say, well, what about the fact that you don't really know it's an article of faith? Again, your ignorance doesn't save you. Your ignorance saves you from culpability for that which you're ignorant of. But it doesn't, say, it doesn't give you the positive results of that thing you're supposed to believe. And you also have to ask yourself, okay, well, if somebody doesn't believe in the real presence of Christ, then how are they going to approach the Holy Eucharist for the graces that can only be found in the Holy Eucharist. And the graces that are found in the Holy Eucharist, which cannot be found in a natural way, and my priest gave us a sermon on this yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind, the grace of purity and the grace of uh, impossible forgiveness. This is something you only find amongst sacrament-attending and believing Catholics historically. There's little aberrations here and there of people with their natural virtue that sort of approximates it, but it's not common at all. Um, you can't maintain your purity if you're not living in a state of more grace and you're not attending the Holy Eucharist. You can't. You know, the priest was telling us, you know, as a traditional Catholic priest of the SSPX, you know, he'd be walking around in a cassock and whatever, and people will ask, man, I don't know how you do the priesthood thing. How can you do that in this day and age? You know, how can you be unmarried? And he said, you know, on the natural level, we can't. So we, it's the grace of the sacraments. It's the grace of the sacraments, you know, and, and that's the way it is. Um, and, uh, as far as forgiveness, he told the story of, you know, St. Marie Goretti, how she forgave her attacker and received Holy Communion as, and, and the stipulation for receiving Holy Communion as she was dying after like a dozen stab wounds in her bed in the hospital, the priest said, do you forgive your attacker? And then she said, yes. And he gave her Holy Communion, this impossible forgiveness. So my point being, even if someone's attending mass and they don't believe in the real presence and they don't receive the graces of the sacraments. Dying in a state of grace is basically going to be impossible. The numbers necessarily must be very few. Necessarily so. There have been times in history um, where full empires and countries were strongly Catholic. And in those cases, I mean, we could be doing a sim an, an argument in reverse. Obviously, free will is going to get some people and we're going to make our problems and have our sins and so forth. But the point is, we could reverse it if the situation was... But the situation's not different. So Pope Francis says he wishes hell is empty. Well, this is one that a lot of people are going to say, well, okay, Pope Francis, I see what you're doing. You're trying to be a nice guy. You know, who wants to see people go to hell? Isn't that sad? Fine. But what is happening here at root? Pope Francis at root is saying that it's his wish that an infallible doctrine of the church is false. So let's just insert some other ones and see if you're somebody who's trying to defend this, if your reaction be the same. What if Pope Francis said, you know, like if the interviewer said, Your Holiness, you know, how do we believe in this resurrection of the, of the dead, of, of Jesus Christ? I mean, this is scientifically impossible. How are we supposed to understand this? I mean, you know, Catholics are supposed to be reasonable. How are we supposed to believe in something so unreasonable? And Pope Francis said, well, it's not my opinion, but I hope that Christ didn't rise from the dead. I hope that it was a symbolic resurrection. Or what if he asked, Pope Francis, the Assumption of Mary, 
Come on. A human being, body and soul being assumed into heaven? We don't even have scientific proof of heaven, let alone people being assumed there. How can you say this? How are we supposed to believe this? How would a reasonable God accept something so unreasonable of people? And Pope Francis said, well, <laughs> you know, this isn't church teaching, my friends. And I'm just sitting here as the Pope from my office in the Vatican. And so don't confuse this as church teaching. That would be a shame. If the Pope of the Catholic Church did an interview as the Pope from his office, dressed as Pope, it'd be, what a, quince, what a quinky dink it would be if people accused, if, if people interpreted that as the teaching of the Pope, eh? Wouldn't that be amazing? Never in a million years would that happen. But let's just say Pope Francis said, well, hey, mi piacere, un piacere, mi piace, mi piace che la Vergine Maria non è assunta in cielo. I, I, I hope that the Virgin Mary wasn't assumed into heaven. It's un piacere mio. It's one of my, it's one of my desires. We could keep going with this, but this is absolutely absurd. Pope Francis hopes that infallible dogma from the scriptures and from Christ's mouth himself, the word of God, from the word of God, isn't true. What else is new in Rome? And uh, But there is some good news from this. You rigid trads, you Taliban Catholics, you... You meanie poo-poo heads who don't go to the new mass and you say to yourself, man, I don't want to be a part of that auto demolition of the church as Paul VI called it. Well, I've got good news for you. Pope Francis hopes that you're not in hell, which means, well, he doesn't, probably doesn't believe in limbo, let's be honest. But limbo is better than hell. Maybe Pope Francis is the, he's the Pope of mercy. Maybe he says, well, I hope there's no trads in hell, but maybe there's some, po there's some, tra there's some trads in limbo of the fathers. It's pretty good. It's perfect paradise, better than eternal hellfire. There's a little attaboy from the Pope. But ultimately, we know Pope Francis doesn't believe in limbo because that's one of those unreasonable dogmas that Mi piacere che questa dottrina della Chiesa non è vera. I hope that this doctrine of the church isn't true. Un'opinione personale. My personal opinion. Well, I guess Pope Francis hopes all you trads are in heaven. So, yes, he's told you you have a mental illness. Yes, he's told you you're rigid. Yes, he's called you a backwardist. Yes, he's called you schismatics. Doesn't matter, because Papa Francesco vuole che tutti voi siete in cielo. Pope Francis thinks that, hopes that all of you will be in paradiso, in heaven, because he hopes hell's empty. So the trads, Hitler, the capitalists, people who eat red meat and drive cars that use diesel, don't worry, I know you thought you were going to hell based on the eco-magisterium of Pope Francis, but dare we hope all trads be saved I hope so. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to take a trip to Italy, dove si può mangiare il cibo tradizionale dell'Italia. We can eat Italian, traditional Italian food, vedere tutti uh, i lugari importanti della fede. We can see all the important places of the faith and so on and so forth. I can dust off my old Italian. God rest my no-no soul. I miss speaking it with him. And we can go there and we can hang out and I'll be doing talks. And Father Albert Calio, traditional Dominican, got the nice little Dominican haircut. says the old mass, super intelligent, old school Dominican style. He'll be there giving daily mass to us. I'll be giving some talks and conferences. It's going to be great. We'll see some beautiful stuff. If you're interested, click the link in the description or go to kennedyhall.ca slash Italy. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time. Wait, I just said until next time twice. I must be new at this. See you later.